Welcome to episode 64 of The Photo Show. This episode is sponsored by the School of Visual Arts MFA Photo, Video, and Related Media Program, chaired by Charles Traub. And that is a sponsorship I do not take for granted. I really do appreciate having a home for the show and a place for guests to meet me in a nice quiet room to record in. I also need to remember to occasionally publicly thank Elizabeth Zito and Brenda Hong, who work at the graduate program, for helping me coordinate these shows at the college. Uh, really, their support for the show has been invaluable. And while I thank them often in private, I really want to thank them publicly. So thank you, Liz and Brenda. And of course, thank you again, Charles. So my guest today is the photographer Andre D. Wagner. You might know Andre from his book, Here for the Ride, that was published last year. Or maybe you know Andre from his contributions to the New York Times. Or maybe you know Andre from his slideshow on Vice. Or maybe it was through the campaign that Hennessy ran on Black Creativity that featured Andre. What I'm trying to say is, there are a number of ways you might know Andre D. Wagner, and we do touch upon those in the show. But of course, I met Andre, uh, where I meet a lot of photographers for the show, and that is at Patrice Helmar's Marble Hill Camera Club meetings, which are now at Gotchair Hall in Queens. And there is a meeting coming up, which you can find out more about on MarbleHillCameraClub.com. One of the next guests is Tony Chirinos, and I mentioned on a previous episode that Tony Chirinos' series Fighting Cox will be at the JKC Gallery, and it is actually at the JKC Gallery. Uh, The reception is this Wednesday, March 21st, from 5 to 8 p.m., and Tony will probably start his talk around 5.30. You can find out more about that by going to the show website, thephotoshow.org. And if you do come to the show, you just might witness a little protest outside. The college has been receiving uh, protest emails from two animal rights activist groups who believe, I think, that perhaps the photographs were made in the United States and therefore that's illegal. Also, they've been accusing us of promoting cockfighting and... Uh, They've been some pretty nasty, sometimes racist sounding emails. And a lot of these emails tend to include the laws in New Jersey that ban cockfighting. And I feel like I need to say, you know, we're not actually going to have a cockfight in the gallery. But I'm not sure any of these folks would see the humor in that statement. Also, it's very clear that the emails are being sent by members of these organizations, both in New Jersey, from people whom I'm guessing have not seen the show. In fact, one of the online petitions shows some color photographs of what looks like the aftermath of a cockfight, perhaps. Uh, And I think they're just trying to conflate some of the most graphic images with Tony's show, which is not graphic and is also in black and white. Um... I guess in order to stir up the the base and get them to sign this petition. So in my opinion, it's a pretty dishonest campaign that doesn't understand the nature of documentary work. Uh, But, you know, I think with animal rights, you tend to get some of the most extreme views because animals don't have a voice. And also, it's not like I am anti-animal rights. Uh, I've been a vegetarian for most of my life. I've uh, rescued three dogs. Uh, But, you know, it is what it is. But I do want to thank Mercer County Community College for standing by the show and standing by Tony's work. The president and the PR team have really given me their full support, so I really do appreciate that. In other news, I went to the Bronx Documentary Center to hear Teju Cole and Jun Lee 
give a talk about their own artistic practice, uh, photographs that they are interested in talking about, but also photographs that have influenced their own work. Uh, and it all kind of intersected with visual culture and social justice. And I don't think I can do it justice by uh, summarizing it here, but I believe it's going to be released on the Bronx Documentary website as a video. And you should definitely check that out at bronxdoc.org and maybe support them as well. They are a wonderful organization. And Michael Camber is just one of the most generous people you'll ever meet. All right, everyone. My guest again today is Andre D. Wagner. So thanks for listening. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. from oh. <laughs> pneumonia <laughs> oh my god i was sick all of january were you so i was just like yeah, yeah. it's been <laughs> so bad oh so i wonder you know um you're having a, a what i would call like kind of like a hot streak right now right in terms of you know getting some recognition getting known you you had that great new york times style piece on kids after school yeah that was that was fantastic piece. thank you yeah um you had the the kodak recording also, Hennessy. What is that? <laughs> What's this, yeah, Hennessy? Hennessy um, hit me up. I mean, interestingly enough, you know, they have like a, a great streak of feature or not featuring, but um, supporting artists, you know, a lot of musicians, um, but just all kinds of artists. And they hit me up and they're um, working on this um, black history piece and they wanted to have me be a part of it. And I was like, yeah, this sounds great. And uh, so, they do great work. Like their visuals are amazing. And I was just like, you know, it's kind of honor to be in conversation or be in the same world as like Nas who right? like I grew up listening <laughs> oh to you God. know That's and amazing. Uh, so I was just like yeah this is a no-brainer <laughs> I'm definitely uh was down to do that so so what are, what are you doing with them so yeah so we did we photo they photographed and shot me like did video for like two days some of it was just like in my studio and they were just you know asking me questions um just about like my thoughts about like black history and like my work and my process and then, um, you know, we spent another day, like, out in the field, kind of just, like, photographing and them getting, like, just, you know, shots of me out on the streets. And, uh, yeah, so now, like, now they're kind of compiling this um, this full video piece together, and that's supposed to, like, come out on the 15th of um, March, or February, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then um, I think long-term they're working on creating a Black History archive. So, you know, all of these artists that they're supporting – and backing um, and working with, like, they're just wanting to create, like, this ongoing archive um, of work uh, of black artists. So I think I'm kind of, like, part of the first initiation of that. Wow, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you um, you were featured in a, a piece on Viceland. Yeah. Was that also about the... The kids, or was that a street photography? It piece? was just a street photography thing. I actually, I, I shot that a while, like last year, and um, it's it's um interesting because like everything's kind of like coming out right now, but yeah. like a lot of this stuff is like the Hennessy thing is pretty current, but mm-hmm. some of this stuff is is just been down the pipeline, and it's all of a sudden it's just like all hit coming. <laughs> but um, one of my friends hit me up. He's like, "Do you have an agent?" I was yeah, like, right, "Yeah." It's like, no, I do not have an agent. <laughs> But um yeah, Viceland. So they have like a you know they they're on TV and you yeah, know, um, it's on HBO, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't have HBO, but I, I have like demand, <laughs> so I can. I've been trying to like watch some stuff. You know what I do? I um 
I subscribe to HBO when there's a bunch of shows I want to binge watch, and then I unsubscribe, right, and I subscribe right. again. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I do that for a, a few different... The yeah. subscriptions, I just can't have... It's too many subscriptions. It's too many. Yeah. But so yeah, yeah, Viceland hit me up, and um, they have a they have like a small show slash segment called Slideshow, and they feature photographers and artists, and they you know they just kind of go through some of their work, and but the setting is really cool because you go into like this kind of warehouse kind of studio feel, and they have your sh- photographs projected on this huge screen, and you're just sitting in like this dark warehouse with a clicker, and you're talking about your photographs. And uh, I saw it. You yeah. you kind of walk into a room, you sit down in front of the projector. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. It's a nice setup. Yeah, it was, I thought it was. A cool setup yeah there's a kind of intimacy to the whole thing like you're in the room watching with you exactly um and that's great because that's going to be like you can watch it online but then they're they're going to be airing that on tv throughout the next couple months so holy cow yeah it's pretty cool (laughs) yes i'm so yeah i mean kodak viceland uh hennessy and that New York Times piece, like which we we mentioned, that, so we were uh, as you were coming into the School of Visual Arts here, somebody actually recognized you from from all this stuff that's going on. He's like, I see you everywhere. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I, I've been thinking about lately, because I'm big into like the history of photography, and I, I just kind of like to know, you know, what photographers have done. I love, I like collecting books myself, and. You know, especially when it comes to black photographers in the, in the history of it. Like, I think about Roy DiGarava. He's the first black photographer to win the Guggenheim. But then he couldn't even get a book published right. of his photographs. And, like, usually you get a Guggenheim and, like, a book published. That goes hand in hand, you know. Um, so there's just been so many amazing black artists, uh, photographers, who, you know, made great work, but the opportunities weren't there. And now I think about my position today in 2018 with Instagram and the Internet and you know just the time that we're living in things are changing and you know i'm being provided with so many great opportunities to showcase my work and get my work out there and get my voice out there and that's why you know the hennessy black history piece was cool because it's really important for me to like pay my dues and and, you know show respect to the people that have come before me because i mean some of these guys are giants but then you know, there's photographers like Louis Draper who had a show at the Stephen Castro Gallery and people had no idea that he even existed, you know. Yep. And it's like, I couldn't be who I am today without, you know, these people paving the way and them making work and inspiring me and me studying their work and just trying to, like, move forward with it, you know. Right. So it's been great to, like, do some of this, you know, press and kind of things and be acknowledged for the work but it's also important for me to like be like look i'm just trying to like grab from like all these amazing people and, and take it forward you know in today's world yeah yeah you know um, um we had aaron turner on the show and we talked a little bit I about Louis Draper. Like yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and um I, I had mentioned on the show, I, I actually have Lewis Draper's job <laughs> at mercer county community college really yes wow yeah. what <laughs> did you did you meet him or did you know him? No, he had died before I I am I'm, I'm <coughs> two coordinators after him. So okay. or the the second coordinator after right. him. Yeah. That's I was cool. I was hired by his uh protege, the okay. person who replaced him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then so yesterday I actually I, I was on assignment for the New York Times and um I'm photographing a piece. Um, this, I'm photographing a photographer named Leroy Henderson, and he was really good friends with Louis Draper. He's a black photographer. Was he part of the Kamongi group? He was part. He knew everybody in Kamongi, mm-hmm. and he was really good friends with Draper, Agar Cohen, and like he knew Roy and. He was like in that whole circle, but he was saying the reason why he never got around to officially joining is because 
Kamongi's their meetings were on Sunday, <laughs> and he goes to church on Sunday. Oh wow! And so he was just like, "Well, you know, hopefully the Lord provides me whatever right. I'm going to miss I, out. I can only I can. serve one God at a time. <laughs> That's right. But um, yeah, but he's been around and he knows all these guys and you know um and women. Yeah. You know, like I got to photograph him, and so like it's just amazing how like when you kind of put energy out like a certain type of energy that you want to be around and that you want to be a part of how the world kind of brings that right back to you like being able to work on that piece being able to do like you know thing with Hennessy but still like meaningful and has like a you know it still reflects like my standpoint in my career and so like that's what's like really important it's like I don't really want to you know like there's so many opportunities and like Instagram is like flooded with information you know but I want to do things that feel true to my voice and to who I am you know and I feel like by putting out you know, work that's true and, and putting out like my vision and, you know, just thoughts that are true, then I kind of continue to do work that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, that's the uh, the blessing and the curse of social media is it, originally it was going to be this great democratic platform to give voiceless people voices to really, you know, especially politically speaking right, around the right. world. And it's more recently become a kind of a cesspool of hate, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, there's, but it, Instagram <laughs> kind of avoids that because it's such a visual platform. It's not really a sure. commentary but platform. It, but Twitter, I'm on yeah. Twitter. And I mean, oh, oh yeah. my god! Oh, you can't. Yeah, oh. I, I love Twitter because it's like there's there's a lot of funny stuff on Twitter that right. you know you don't you don't really get on Instagram because I think sometimes like Instagram might be a little too cool. Mm-hmm. But on Twitter, you know, you it, there's just like all kinds of funny threads. But I like you know finding articles and stuff. But then there is that aspect of this like you know, this worldwide criticism from everybody, you know, and everybody's a critic and everybody's an expert and knows like what they're talking about. And uh, it's it's, it's just a lot. It's just a lot of information and it it can be overwhelming. It's it's an incredible social experiment right now. (laughs) Twitter, you know, and everybody's desire to pick everybody else apart and prove themselves smarter. Well, one of the great (laughs) things about photography is like, yeah, this technology and this Instagram and, you know, internet, but, you know, photography, Photography constantly takes you out into the real world. You know, um, I don't know. Like if I, if I was, if my art form was a different medium, and maybe I was in the studio more. Maybe I don't know. I love photography. It just fits for me because it's like. You know, I, I can't get in my head too much because at the end of the day, I got to go outside and take pictures because that's what it's all about. And you, you have know? to connect with people, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you have a, a a little bit of a different background coming into photography. You started out with social work, correct? At yeah. A, at a um, Buena Vista University in, <laughs> in Iowa. Yes, this which is, is true. <laughs> it sounds like typically when uh, places or uh, things are called Buena Vista, it's sort of like a <laughs> fantasy vacation place, you know, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know, this whole path has been so interesting. Um, so I was born in Omaha, and I was, um, you know, I was an athlete. I played basketball. And so I was getting scouted to, like, some smaller schools to, to play ball, and I ended up I remember going to visit Buena Vista, and it was one of the first schools I went to go see. And I was with my parents, and you know, none of nobody in my family had ever been to college before, so it was like a big deal. Like Andre is going to college, first generation college student, and I remember as soon as we pulled up on campus at Buena Vista, I told my mom, I was like, "Turn around!" I was like, "I don't <laughs> want to go." Here. I was like, "Cause you know, I mean, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. A lot of people, you know, especially in New York, they're like Omaha, Nebraska. What's that?" But you know, there's a big black community in Omaha. Um, and I come from that, you know, my, the high school I went to was majority black students. And then I, I go to Iowa and Buena Vista and, you know, 
everybody was white and i was just like wow like this is like a culture shock you know omaha is a fairly you know urban place right? yeah it's exactly fairly, yeah. once you get outside of omaha you know then it gets a lot more rural um you know but um yeah omaha is like it's a popping city like things, <laughs> things are happening yeah buena vista so I, I when we pulled up at the campus i didn't i was like turn around and then it ended up being my decision where I went to school. And um, so the, the social work, I think it kind of just, kinda, I kind of fell into it in a way because, like I said, I played basketball. So I went to Buena Vista and I was playing basketball. And I was just kind of like floating, trying to figure out what I really wanted to study, what I, was, I was interested in. And I did like computer science and I was doing graphic designs. I took like a couple art classes that I was like horrible at. And, <laughs> And um, somebody mentioned that I should um, look into social work because being a, an athlete, you know, especially I like to work with high school age kids and like, you know, high school kids like come to basketball games, you know, they want to be, they, they like sports and they want to be around people they are kind of like, you know, kind of like, you know, jockish in a way and just kind of part of that whole like sports lifestyle and being the person that people, you know, want to interact with. And so when I started doing like working with some after school programs and stuff, it just felt so natural and, and easy in a way. And part of it, I think, was just because of from my background. And then so I, I was just like, you know, what? let me look into social work and started taking classes. And did you think you might do uh, social work that also involves sports, like doing activities? Or I never like that? got that far into thinking about it. But, you know, all of, I was working in, ju- in juvenile court in undergrad and I was working, you know, after school programs. And so I was working with a lot of, you know, teens and I don't know. I just I enjoyed the work and I connected with people and it was, it just felt very natural. And so, yeah, I decided to like go down the social work path. And, you know, the way I got to New York is because I, I can, thought I was going to continue to do social work. And so I was applying to grad schools and I got into Fordham University um, in Lincoln Center. And uh, so like, I moved to New York in January 2011 to go to school at Fordham. And that was like when like my whole world got turned upside down in a way. And coming to New York just because it was just like. Being from Omaha, you know, going to school in Iowa and then coming to New York is just like another culture shock in a way, especially when it comes like to the arts. You know, I just had an experience, you know, the, the types of people that I would meet here, um, like the gallery scenes and like, and then, you know, getting more into photography and learning like about serious work. And it, it, just, it just completely changed everything I thought I wanted to do but with you my didn't, life. you didn't take photo classes at Point so Vista, right? when I saw, I, yeah. that was one of the things. So when I went to Buena Vista, my first year, you know, I'm like, I'm just trying to, I'm here to play basketball. Like, I don't want to go to class. <laughs> so I'm looking like trying to find like all the, I'm like, what are the easiest <laughs> classes I can sign up for? And oh, one you're fir- one of those students. Man, oh my gosh, it's the worst. It's one of the first classes I was I was like, oh, photography? I was like, I can do photography. I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's got to be easy. And uh, I remember si- showing up in that class in the first day and the professor's like passing out the syllabus and he has like this list of like tools and things that we had to buy for the class. He's like, you got to get a camera and you got to buy film and paper and we'll, we'll provide some chemicals. And I'm like, and then it's like it's only a three credit class, and I'm like, what is all That's of this? I'm like, this is a, crazy. A class that I don't really care that much. I was much like, about. what did I get myself into? Um, you so, have just described half my students. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. So I I got in the I stayed in the class, and um, so you know we got into it. We started working. It was like a photo one black and white one on one kind of class, and I remember buying a camera, and you know. N- I never really got into it. I was I learned the darkroom process, how to develop film, how to make prints, and how to shoot cameras. And 
But anytime I would go out to make pictures, I was just trying to shoot the film as fast as possible. So, you know, I wasn't really thinking about like, oh, like photography is an art form or photography is expression. I was just like, I need to get through this class. And like, I remember I would like turn in prints and like by the next day they were turning purple because like they wasn't like fixed or like it was just like crazy. Like, but, um, you know, obviously something kind of pricked me in from that class because it wasn't until really until like my way out of undergrad when I started thinking about photography again. And I think that's because, you know, for ta- basketball started to go to the back burner. And then like I, I had this huge void in my life where I was like, social work is great and I'm connected with it. But, you know, playing a, a, a serious sport throughout your entire life and then like that coming to an end is like a huge life adjustment. And um, I realized that I was like married to this process in a way. And I, and I figure out like, down the line how that process could be adapted to photography but you know I, I think about like you know as playing basketball you know everything is like planned out from your nutrition your workout regimen um practice you know your travel you're with your teammates you're learning growing there's there's plays there's like all these different parts of the aspect and then if finally you get to like a game or a performance you know and with photography, you know, eventually I realized it's kind of similar in a way. It's like you go out, you make work, you make contact sheets, you review work, and then eventually you start to to put things together and you make a body of work and maybe and that's something like the performance. So I kind of like, in a way, realized how I could use like this dedication that I had to the sports and to put that into like my work as an artist. There's a, a discipline involved that, you know, within a structure and, you know, when you kind of when you have that passion for and you're serious about it it, yeah i could see a lot of similarities yeah uh just that all consuming involvement exactly and i think that that was like the biggest void i was having was that that all consuming being constantly busy working at something it was like yeah social work is great and it's like I, i can do this work but like i needed something that i could like push myself forward that was like on my own accord you know like not just like I don't know. I don't know how to say it the right way. Not not like a job. Like so, in a way, like social work is a job. But like for me and my personality, it's like I, I'm always want to be busy and working on something and like feel like I'm progressing towards something. And I think, you know, obviously, like that's what photography end up kind of playing that role for well, me. And in sports, there the the performance in sports is a creative process right. in a lot of ways, right. right? And then, you know, then there's a, the whole competitive aspect of it too, and uh, which I feel like, you know, I use a lot to, to help me stay inspired and, and with my work ethic within photography. Um, like competitive, like out in the streets, like trying to get the shots and just competitive <laughs> with my contemporaries and just com- really competitive. Now, like, you know, the older I get, the more so the competitive with myself, like looking in the mirror and like, how far can I take it? You know, and um, that, that competitive edge is like something that I've always had in me. And that's something that I, I continue to try to use like now, like, you know, as an adult. Yeah, no, it's a good it's a good place to um to get inspiration, right? yeah. to get out and work, to get it done. Yeah. yeah so like, after, so I did the first year of grad school at Fordham and then after. So, but photography then carries over with you to Fordham then. Right. So, yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm dabbling with photography before I come to New York and I'm, I, you know, I, I bought a camera and I'm playing around with it, but it's still very kind of premature. But it's something is I'm I'm interested in something. I think it's just because I can take the camera with me all the time and be working at something. And um, so I did the first year of grad school, and then I that summer I remember I needed to find a job, and I ended up getting a job working in like this like e-commerce like photography studio, 
And uh, that's like, it was like, okay, I'm not going back to school. I got a job in photography. <laughs> and in a way it was great because like, to be in like a structured setting like that where I can learn more about the, the technical aspects of photography, like lighting and, you know, tethering and like working with people, like working with stylists and, and art directors and like all that. I got to do all this kind of more like professional side of photography. And then, you know, as soon as I clocked out, I'm figuring out Andre Wagner as a photographer. Like, what does that mean? Because, you know, the social work comes back into play, too, is because once I came to New York and started, you know, seeing serious work and seeing just how I was affected by, you know, certain work, I realized also that the, the social work background can inform my work, too, just as in working with people, um, you know, entering different people's worlds and and just like trying to understand people and trying to just like have that that social aspect to the work and, I, and that's when I start to try to put it all together from basketball to social work to being from Omaha to being Iowa to coming to New York and I was just trying to trying to figure out how to wrap around this whole world view and put that into the work. That's interesting we've been having that conversation on the show for, for a few episodes now the idea of being sort of one person and putting together all in a way Getting, trying to get all your different talents and interests and needs together to to be that one person when you're out doing this or doing or or if you're doing something else, right? Where that gives you the ability to keep going, right? right. Where you don't have to sort of compartmentalize all these different parts of your lives, and that can become very exhausting. Which you know we've all done, we've mm -hmm. all had to do. Were you also married already at this time when you were no, at Fordham? No, I or? just got married last year. Congratulations! Actually. Thank you. Yeah, wow. last year was great. So I got married in August. August nineteenth was uh, our wedding day, and then nice. we, we went to Greece for our honeymoon, and then we came back, and um, and in September, like like a month later, is when the the, the book, the my first photo, photo book, <laughs> we'll got get to really, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll so it was book. just like that whole like so streak at the things. end of the year. I was just like, oh my god, what's well, going on? I, so I and I did want to ask you. I mean, you, there, like I said, so many great things happening. Are you able to step back and sort of appreciate it and like look at it almost like leave your body and say, this is all great? You know? Yeah, you know, I think um, in a way, I'm. I'm the kind of person that doesn't look back that much. Mm -hmm. I think, with, especially with photography, it's just like, it's the next picture. It's, it's, the next thing. it's always forward, yeah. forward, All forward. All right, the book is out. Next. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, you know, even like getting myself to look at contact sheets sometimes is just like a, such a stretch, you know? It's just like forward, forward, forward. But like, you know, I have good friends and like my wife is great. And, you know, I have people around me that, that be like, look, you came to New York and you had $60 and nothing <laughs> in your pocket. And like, look where you're at now and so it is it's nice to be able to like to look back and be like wow like where i came from you know and, and just like try to continue to like just stay inspired and, and keep moving forward with it but yeah but you yeah. Do, it's true you i mean it's great to be able to have people to sort of reflect it off of you and say you're doing well and but we're in a business where things come and go very quickly exactly and that's yeah. how that's the whole thing with new york you know people can have one thing one minute and the next day you know nobody is even like remembers who you are you know <laughs> yeah. and and so that's why I try not to get really distracted with thinking about this. Like, it's important, but, like, I'm just so, you know, focused on the work and, and just, like, what I feel like my purpose and my passion is. And I just, I don't know, I kind of just stay in that world. Yeah. 
So how long did you stay at Fordham? Was it a year? Yeah, I only did a year. And my parents were like, what is wrong with you? You have one more year left to get your (laughs) master's and you want to go and take pictures now? Uh, What? I mean, did your your parents have sort of aspirations or or ideas or dreams that you might end up in basketball? And then it was social work? I think... Like I was, I was pretty good at basketball, but I knew my height was always a problem. I'm only five eight, so like even when like I was getting recruited, like I got some interest from a few D one schools, but then like I never really got an offer. And like so, at the end of my fourth year in undergrad, when I was at Buena Vista, well, we had a good team. We won like two conference championships. We went to Sweet Sixteen. Um, so at the end of my fourth year, I was trying out for the D League, and um, which is like um. So, like, basket, it's, like, for baseball, it's, like, the minor leagues, like, mm-hmm. you know. And so I was trying out for a team for Iowa Energy. I got cut, and I was just, like, man. Like, I was talking to one guy, and he was, like, oh, you know, trying to help me maybe be my agent, try to see if I could play overseas. But after my fourth year, I also wasn't eligible to graduate because, like I said, I first showed up, I was <laughs> only playing basketball. <laughs> so I, I had to make a decision. It's like, okay, do I really want to continue to try to pursue basketball, which is like, you know, there's no guarantees or anything with that, or do I go and just get my degree and kind of move forward with my life in that direction? And so I decided to go back to school. So I, I went back to Buena Vista for my fifth year um, to finish up my schooling and get my degree, um, which was like a, another change for me because, you know, my whole life at that school was like part of being like a student athlete. And I was like only a student. And um, so that's when that photography, I was like, oh, let me think about photography. I picked up the camera and started playing around with it. But yeah, my wife, so Lindsay, we met in undergrad. She's from Wisconsin, and she we went we met in Iowa. Oh, and so, so you now, came out to New York together? Yeah. Oh, so okay. um, I was a little bit older than her, but mm-hmm. she was. She's always she works in fashion, so she knew she wanted to kind of be in New York, and I was already thinking about New York, and so our paths just kind of continued together. Yeah. Is she working now then? Yeah, in the she business? works at New York Magazine. Oh, great! Fashion. Yeah. Oh, how nice. That worked out. <laughs> yeah, so I think um, when I made that decision to not go back to that to say the second year of grad school, in a way I was just thinking about like, okay, like I got my degree, you know, it was like a really important step for me and my family. Um, but then I also was just like, I really fallen in love with photography. And I I was thinking about that decision, like, okay, I didn't play basketball and I'm, I don't really have any what if moments, but like, I know when it comes to like a time to make a decision, like I know what it feels like to figure out how to move forward. And I was like, you know, this time photography is what I want to do. And I was just like, this is how I'm going to move forward with my life and just kind of just jumped out on the whim. And yeah. Uh, So you're, um, you leave Fordham and you, you let your parents know you're pursuing photography and they, yeah, they were a little freaked out, definitely. right? Because they're worried about you making a living and <laughs> yep, surviving. And, in New York City. <laughs> and how do, how do they feel now? I mean, do you um, are they more comfortable now with what, what's going on? Yeah, there? I think now, you know, what, six, seven years down the line, they're, they're, they're you know, they, I remember them coming to my, I had a, my first solo solo show was a couple of years ago in, um, in LA and they came to my, fr- my show. That was right. the first time ever being to like an art gallery. And so like for them to see that and then for them to pick up like the new york times every now and then to see my pictures and or my dad that like, must be such a point of pride yeah right? so now Hanging like out in your town the exactly. neighbors the new york times so now they're able to see like oh okay this is what he's working at you know so now they're definitely like on board with what i'm doing and they're they're totally supportive <laughs> nice <laughs> do you have siblings i do i have a younger sister 
Yeah, and she lives in she lives in Texas. My folks were living there for a while. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but now now my parents live in Ohio, so they're not that far. Oh, are they are they retired working? Um, yeah. So my dad's um a pastor of a church actually, and then my mom she's uh, she's still working like human resources. Yeah. Hmm. Was uh your dad being a pastor part of your interest in social work? Um, I never thought about that connection, but I, I definitely grew up in the church, like in Omaha. I grew, like every Sunday we was at church, I was like an usher. <laughs> I don't know why I was in the choir because my voice is not good. Um, <laughs> I joined you, the choir with my son for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, you know, going to church on Sunday, that was just the ritual is what we did. And, the, you know, as a family, it was always like you know, all of Sunday was just all church. You go to church, you go out to eat, you go to, to church families' homes. It was just like yep. an all day thing. Did that stick? Yeah, it <laughs> definitely <laughs> stick. Faith is like a huge part of just yeah, my life. And, you know, I feel like it has a huge part of my photography in a way. We walk outside with a camera. You know, you got to have faith that the world is going to align and that you're going to be able to capture those those moments, you know, and it's going to align with who you are as a person. So, you know, faith has a lot to do with what I do. Yeah. And photography is transformative, you know, going from the the reel to the print. And yeah, absolutely. And you are a a diehard uh, black and white film photographer. Oh, man. With your, I, I saw pictures it. of your dark room. Looks great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah, man. The dark room has really came together. I just, you know, when I started really getting into photography, and I just remember like looking at, you know, Gordon Parks prints, Robert Franks, and the black and white always was just so beautiful. Me like the silver gelatin prints is just like gorgeous, and you know. When, when I started kind of doubling it with photography again, like after my undergrad, I had a digital camera. And then I was like, you know what? I got this portfolio from my first year of undergrad that has like all the information about how to develop film and stuff. I was like, why don't I just pick, I picked up a little 35 miller Nikon and started playing around with it. And then just like one thing led to another. Next thing you know, you were buying more books, buying more film. And then <laughs> yep. you're looking on Craigslist for an enlarger. <laughs> and then you're in the bathroom. And then <laughs> you move right. to the kitchen. <laughs> Changing film in your closet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And next thing you know, now I got like a fully dedicated like little room and I'm you know, I can just go in there and rock out. Yeah, and how space-wise and all, you know, you're sharing that space with your partner and everything. How's that working out? It's good because, you know, <laughs> I let her have her space and she lets me have my dark room. So nice. yeah, she, she definitely reminds me, you know how lucky you are. You have a dark room. <laughs> This could be like the the closet <laughs> full of fashion clothes, That's right? right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And of course, that uh, that space is out in Brooklyn, right? Yes, I, I live in uh, Bushwick. So yeah, that's, I've been living in in Bushwick ever since I left uh, grad school. That that first year of grad school. Have your uh, folks been out here then to visit? Yeah, they've been here. Um, they love New York. My mom loves the street vendors. Oh my gosh! Oh, nice. Yeah, she loves the Macy Day Parade. I don't know. She likes to do all the things that I, I only can really stand to do if I'm photographing. <laughs> <laughs> Not right. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's crazy. Sometimes, it's like, you know, I photograph a lot in my neighborhood, but I also photograph a lot in spaces where I'm just like, if I didn't have my camera, it would be the last place I really want to be. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think that's been my relationship to most of the places I've ever photographed too. It's a, it's it's not necessarily the the place where you're living or or even would live. It's it's the place where you 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 find people interesting and right. you want to interact with people and all. Right. But but it it as photographers, it is all a photographic process, right? Mm-hmm. It's very different from 
you know, visiting and enjoying things and exactly. things like that. It's not that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So on the, uh, the New York Times piece that recently came out with um, kids after school. What was that? Um, what was that all about? How did you get into that? Yeah. So with the Times piece, um, with the column called "The Look," you know, kind of like a frequent contributor, and it just come up with different themes, and I would like focus on working on that for like a month or two, just depending on you know what the timeline is. But I've always um, photographed a lot of kids and. That after school time at like three o'clock, like anybody that lives in New York knows that like when three o'clock it's hits, crazy it's time, wow! Yeah, it's like loud. you're gonna hear every curse word. All you're the bodegas hear fill up. All the bodegas, yeah. like kids are gonna be running through the streets, <laughs> like play fighting, like it's just like anything and everything, you know. And um, so I was like, you know, this would be a, a, a great way to kind of just like study this kind of time period in, in the city. You know, I, I like to try to find themes a lot of times where I can kind of be all over New York and doesn't really matter because I you know I, I I don't know so I, I like to move around a lot it's hard for me to like be put in one place so like with the after school theme I could be in Bushwick I can be in Midtown I can be in the Bronx and I can still be working on this piece you know so like that's kind of like part of it and it's also because I can be working on the New York Times work but I'll also be working on my own work at the same time because you know, it's not like I only was going out at three o'clock to photograph. I'm out all day taking pictures and then three o'clock hits and then I'm like, oh, OK, now I'm doing this. So, yeah. So and then like the recent the most recent one is called like Everyday Excellence. And it's more so it's it's a black history piece and it's kind of like featuring, you know, black uh, black culture and just like the everyday aspects of life. And Rembert, um, who's like an amazing writer, he did the the text for both the after school piece oh, and this. Oh, that's why his piece. name comes up twice. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. So he usually it's been the you know somebody at the Times um, writing a piece, or maybe they'll interview me and then they'll kind of like write the piece. But then for the the past couple ones, they've featured other writers, oh, which has okay. been really great. Do you do you call yourself a street photographer? I mean, I feel like. Like, I get it. Like, I like sometimes I fall into, like, certain spaces and, like, people just understand the labels. But, like, my, my whole thing is, like, if we're going to use labels, there's, like, a lot of labels to yeah, say. Yeah. You know, but if I if I could, if it was up to me, I would just say I'm a photographer. Yeah. You know, um, that's what I believe. But, like, I understand people, like, understand street photography. But I'm, like, but then, like, I'm also like a portrait photographer i'm a black photographer i'm a new york city like there's all these different things that categorize it you know but I, to me it, I'm it's much just, less i think it's much less a useful label than it ever was before jeff marmelstein doesn't find it a useful label i remember talking right, to him right. and, uh, but you did do a workshop with aaron Berger yeah, last year right yep, yeah did. how did that go the workshop was great you know um, oh, by the way aaron Berger, i want you on the show <laughs> yeah was, let's make that happen <laughs> Yeah, the workshop was it was great. Uh, I've done like a few things like where, you know, maybe I've like lectured and stuff, but I haven't necessarily like had done the workshop before. So it was my first time and Aaron's done a few of them already. Um, So it was great for us to kind of team up and, and work on this together. And like me and Aaron, man, I think I don't even know how long I've known Aaron, but probably for the past couple of years. But he's like the one of the f- people that I run into like all the time mm. on the streets and then like we'll tag team and we'll just like run up and down fifth ave take tag just taking photos and whatever. I don't know. We just we vibe really well together and like we don't get in each other's way and it's always good running into Aaron and like to work with him on this was really great. But yeah, we had like a really nice, like diverse range of students and you know, we went out into the street, made pictures, we came back and critiqued work. We talked about you know, different kind of work, the history a little bit of photography. And, and, you know, we just had a really good time. And, you know, the students seemed like they really enjoyed it and they, they got a lot out of it. 
it's a you know it's a lot of energy to put into to you know teaching a workshop and i'm sure probably just teaching in general which it's not something that i'm i've thought i really am too interested in maybe down the road but yeah, yeah you know i don't know photography is just it's just it's like how do you teach it you know I was, well <laughs> i was just i was just going to mention maybe one of the tougher things to teach is this street photography style this idea of street photography because so much of it is kind of instinctual like just sort of how it's your own personality and then it's Mm -hmm. how you how you learn to approach people and you know and and being able to see things very quickly i don't i don't know how you teach that and it's i think you know unless you're like some like freak like that you just pop out great pictures all the time but it takes a while to really kind of get it going too like just to like start to when you're really feeling comfortable and the camera's really out of the way and where your body is really like how you move through and operate, you know, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of it. There's so much failure in street photography. I have so many negatives that are just crap, <laughs> you know? So, and I, I, I'm always said I've, you know, I have a big appetite. Like I, I like the process of photographing, you know, I like being out there in the world, but, you think about those those great images that we see and they just embody so much of a photographer or energy or a time and you know but being out in the world does not feel like that it's so normal and basic and just like you know you really gotta you really gotta be into it to 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 make you know work that can stand the test of time to make continuous work you know like over a period of time um to make a body of work it's just a lot of work and that goes into it and um did you um did you see uh or, did, or were you able to sort of uh having uh taught with um Aaron did, doing the seminar with Aaron did you see a difference between your styles and how you approach people and yeah and I've kind of already knew some of our differences just because I, we've photographed around each other so much and um and I think that's one of the biggest things because like sometimes like me and Aaron would be running up and down the street and then like we'll run into another photographer or something and they'll be like oh you can like walk around with somebody else and take pictures and it's and like aren't you taking the same pictures and it's like no like we're like completely doing our own thing you know and um but it, I also think that kind of thinking is also when sometimes like you know, like a, if you're like a street photographer, you think that there's possibilities anywhere. Like if you're really into, like if you really do it, you think you can photograph anywhere. And then like, but like sometimes you'll talk to people and they're like, oh, I hate being in Soho or I hate being like in Midtown. I'm just like, I like being everywhere. Like I don't care where I am. I'm going to try to make a photograph. And like, I think that's part of, you know, being a street photographer is having that mentality and knowing that like any opportunity is an opportunity, you know? Yeah, I can, I can totally see that. I mean, I, I mean, if you're a place photographer, right? You're you're making photographs about a place. Certainly, right. you're going to pick those things much more carefully. But a but street photography, it's you know, you're it's talking about setting up a stage and waiting for the players to come in. Right, right, yeah. right exactly. <laughs> so then, and with all the uh, the good news, you you have this book. Yes. Here for the ride. Here for the ride. Yeah, which was published last last year. Last year, so, September. Um, how did that book come together? Yeah, so in a way, I kind of like to work backwards, where I just I make a lot of pictures and I'm just shooting all kinds of stuff, and I, I you know I consider everything, and and then um, you know it's in the reviewing of the work where I try to let the work speak to me. And kind of give me some ideas and hints about like, you know, what I'm interested in, where my mind is, like what I'm thinking about. 
and then I kind of start to maybe focus on like certain little things that way. So here for the ride, you know, most of these photographs, you know, it's all photographs in the subway. And a lot of the work started when I was working at that my first job in New York City, going back and forth to the studio. I was in the subway all the time, especially during the winter time. You know, you get out of work and it's dark outside, and so I was be in the subway making photographs all the time. And um, you know, I was just looking through pictures, and I, I I started to have some some images from the subway that were really like pricking at me and. I was just like, man, like, okay, maybe I'm into something, but I, you know, as a street photographer, it's like, you want to be in positions, like, yeah, like, you want to make photographs anywhere, but, like, some situations are a little bit easier than the others, like, the light in the subway is horrible, and I'm just like, you know, shooting wide open at slower stutter speeds, I'm like, I want to be out in the sun at a thousand F8, and I can just, like, <laughs> shoot, 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 you know, and I'm just like, man, do I really want to do subway work, and, but then, like, it really was just like eating at me and I was like, okay, well then I started like pulling out subway pictures, putting them up on the wall, looking at them. And then, you know, I think I started to think less about work about the subway and more so about the metaphors about what I felt like the work was kind of, you know, talking to me about. And like, even like with the title where it's like this here for the ride, where in a way it's just like this introduction to like, to me for of this new medium, you know, of, of a, a new way of like being in the world and looking um about making work you know and then about like you know just all the different aspects that i pull out of life and and find you know meaning from and so in a way it, you know it's just being out in the world making work and then like letting that speak to you and then trying to take that further and and you weren't trying to you know make subway photos like like in the in the classic tradition of subway photos right like, and yeah. right, and that's the other thing you know i'm 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 such like a history dude on photography and like i don't know everything but i love you know, like knowing work and like obviously you know there's been some seminal pieces in the subway you, you got walker evans you got bruce davison you Helen got levitt, levitt yeah. roma like yeah. there's so much so many subway works you know but I was, you know, when I was thinking about that at the same time, it, I felt like I had something very unique, too, where I, as, a, as a black photographer, as a black artist, I was like, you know, none of this work has come from this kind of a point of view. And uh, that was something that because, you know, I don't want to make work that has already been done, like, you know, but at the same time, you know, I want to make work that's true to me and. I just felt like, you know, it just it made sense and it was pulling me and I was like, you know, let's 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 do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I think you you either said in an interview or, or on your website that it really was about this this whole process of of being on the ride, right? Mm -hmm. It was about, right, it was about the the experience of the commute. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things I've been trying to bring back is talking about, you know, tips or suggestions and, and the tools you like to use and things like that. And you're a Leica shooter, right? Yeah. Like yeah. M4, day. M6. M6. I yeah. have a, uh, I started with an M2 mm -hmm. and it was like, I wanted M6 so bad. Finally was able to upgrade. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, then, so in terms of, uh, you know, suggestions or tips you have for photographers for getting out there for getting their work published, things like that. Yeah. Any kind of advice. Yeah. Well, you know, I use a Leica because, I mean, it's it's small. I want to shoot film, so like as the rangefinder, you know, not having a mirror bouncing up and down because, like, you know, having a steady camera is so important when you're shooting fast. And uh, I mean, it just it just makes sense. It feels like the like a I don't know. It feels like my third leg. Like you know, it's just I can operate it without even looking at the camera. You know, so in a way, I want to use tools 
that I can like master and so that they get out of the way so then I can just like go to work because like when I'm out on the street I don't want to be thinking about like oh what's my ISO or what's my shutter speed because then I'm not really when I'm out you know I want to just be it's a looking process it's a feeling process you know I just want to be involved with what's happening in the world and in front of me so I want the tool to get out of the way but I also want the tool that's going to give me the best result you know so you know I, I choose to shoot with Leicas and 35 lens yeah well i, I actually i started with like a 50 mm-hmm. <laughs> just like i don't know i can't even think about shooting a 50 like nowadays <laughs> I, but i i, I to the 28 is like my normal lens oh okay sometimes like i'll shoot with the 35 just to like switch things up a little bit and um but then like with the portrait works i i, I end up usually shooting like with a um medium format so Oh, you know, we, we, um, I glossed over that a little bit. You said you do portrait work. Are you also doing editorial portrait work or yeah, commercial work? Yeah, I, I am. Um, and that, you know, that's a lot of how I make my living amongst like, you know, all kinds of things really. But yeah, I, I like doing the editorial and portrait work. It's fun. It's, Is it all freelance? And, it's all freelance yeah. work. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just, it's good. It changes things up a little bit. It gets, you know, just get out of my own head as a street photographer. It's a lonely path. You know, it's like you, it's just you going out into the world every every day over and over again so like doing the editorial work and and like other collaborative projects it's just good to get out of my own head to like just be around people and like whatever because did did those jobs come with just part of your recognition part of getting recognized part of getting recognized um you know like i was working in that studio so then i was starting to meet like stylists and art directors so i was like meeting people there and then like you, you get on a shoot and then you meet other people you know new york is such a a place where it's all about you know who you know and the connections and and like trying to sustain those you know those um connections mm-hmm. so a lot of the initial initial work you know came from that like people that i met working in that studio and a, the big break for me was about like two and a half years ago i got into the new york times portfolio review and like that was amazing because i got to meet editors i got to show my work and like that's when i started working for the new york times and you know i started working with some other publications um after that too and you shoot all of that in film as well? I do. Yeah. 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 So that gives you that, that, it allows the work to still look like your work. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then the, the process just still feels very real and natural to me, mm-hmm. which is like so much of photography is part, like the process is, is so important to how I work, you know, as a, like an operator in a way. Yeah. So did you have any uh, interesting shoots? Any names you want to drop? <laughs> uh, well, the Erica Badu shoot I did for the New York Times was was uh, definitely a highlight. <laughs> um, man, I grew up listening to Erica Badu's music. Um, I, I remember actually one of the first times I think my my parents were like, "Oh, okay, Andre's doing something." Is when I photographed Usher. Oh, <laughs> my yeah. mom called me so fast when she saw Usher in the New York Times photographed That's by Andre great. Wagner. I was like, "Mom, I've been out here working for five years, and now you want to talk about." Usher. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. Do you yeah, do you but, get to interact a lot with the clients or? Yeah, sometimes, you know, cuz usually I like to just work alone or maybe just one other assistant oh. to like kind of reload cameras or something. Um and a lot of times when I'm doing these assignments, um if it's not like some big editorial fashion kind of thing, you know, it's usually just me and then like the the talent and like maybe their manager or something. So 
you know, I get a lot of kind of like intimate time, but a lot of times these shoots are also happening really fast. Like sometimes I, I might have like an hour or somebody, but like that shoot with Usher, I think I had like 15 minutes, oh, you know? Man. That's, that's <laughs> intense. And I'm shooting film too, you know? Yeah. So like. <laughs> you can't even look at what you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but that's why it's important to have tools that, you know, that you know what you're doing and so that you can just like get to work, you know? Yeah, yeah. Are you shooting on location typically then? Yeah, like mostly on location. I think yeah. when, when I got that job in the studio, that first photo job, I was I did it, and but I was just like, this is not how I want to work, even if to like to make a living. I just couldn't stand like being behind a tripod and like fifteen people behind a computer, like looking at the pictures, and like just I was just like, I can't operate like this, like. Even, you know, my editorial work isn't the kind of work that I'm doing every day, but it still feels so much part of, like, my work and my process and how I like the work that, like, doing photography any other kind of way is, like, I feel lucky enough that I don't have to do that kind of work anymore, <laughs> you know? Because a lot of photographers, sometimes you just got to do things that's going to get you paid or that's going to get you the money. So Absolutely. you end up being, like, this kind of, like, Walmart stop. Like, you go there and he does everything, you know? And now I'm able to, to just focus on, like, my strengths as a photographer. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you do some, you have to do that work first. Yeah. Right? I definitely <laughs> pay. I, I tried to pay my dues. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, any uh, events coming up? Uh, book signings? Anything like that? I don't Shows? really have. Um, I don't really have too much kind of like coming up right now. My um, Buena Vista University, my alma mater, they purchased, they acquired some of my work, so I'm oh, going out great. there in a month or so and and doing like a lecture and talking. Oh, that's nice. Uh, seeing some of the the work up there, which would be really cool. And then you know, just I you know just been working on assignments. I'm working on some new work and just. I like to spend a lot of times like during the winter time. I, I try to stay in the dark room a lot, so you mm -hmm. know I get out and take pictures. But like I was really sick, and so it's just yeah. like I've just been trying to like shuffle through some work, catch up on contact printing, and just like I like just making new work, you know. So, and that's what's great about the film process is because it, it does have these different aspects of it that I like. You know, I like being able to be in the dark room and looking at the work and like. I mean, looking at negatives and trying to make a print over and over again, it's a, another great way to edit. And it's like, yeah. do I really want to print this picture? Am I tired of it already? And so I like, you know, this whole kind of holistic process, mm -hmm. you know, from start to end. Have you been thinking about maybe the next book idea? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. thinking about that a while ago. But I, I think it's probably a little premature to... Oh, to, yeah. You don't have to announce yeah, yeah. anything. But, but yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm working on this. I did this here for the ride. And in a way, I kind of see this next body of work being an extension of that. And, you know, kind of like a, a progression in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did I, uh, I miss anything? What, uh, anything else you wanted to talk about? It's enough of my voice. <laughs> not at all. No, no, not at um, all. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thank you, Andre. And, you know, thanks for coming in and, uh, again, giving me that a little extra time to get over a pneumonia. Yeah, and thanks for having me. This is so good to just be here and talking to you. It's really easy because sometimes I'm kind of weird about these things. But oh, this, this, this has been great. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. Thanks. And definitely take the time to appreciate all these great successes. So. <laughs> Thank you. I will. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.